0: SECTION 57 OF A FAIR MYSTERY This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Gaby Gowan. A FAIR MYSTERY by Bertha M. Clay. CHAPTER 57 BEFORE THE QUEEN such a May day, like one of those that the poets of old describe when they wrote about of mead and honey. A flash of heaven's own sunshine, a murmur of heaven's own music, a foretaste of the golden glories of summer, which were soon to shine over the land. A May day when, in the green heart of England, the hawthorn was budding, the perfume of violets filled the air the cuckoo remained lord of the meadows the good pigeons began to coo the butterflies to coquet with sweet spring flowers a very carnival of nature london had never looked so bright or so gay the queen had thrown off the black mantle of sorrow and had come forth once more to gladden the hearts of her faithful people she had opened parliament and a series of royal fetes had been announced that cheered the whole city with the hope of future prosperity trade commerce literature and art were all encouraged as all drooped in her absence so they all revived in the gracious promise of her serene presence there was to be on the third of may a grand drawing-room great excitement was caused by the announcement that the countess of linleigh and the lady loris Studley were both on this eventful day to be presented the countess on her marriage the lady doris as a debutante rumour was very busy there was nothing to wonder about over the countess she was well known for many london seasons she had been a belle and a reigning beauty she was married at last to a popular nobleman and would doubtless take her place as one of the queens of society she would give brilliant fetes head the gaieties of the season hyde house would doubtless become one of the most fashionable resorts of the day but there old sensation about her ceased With Lady Doris it was different. More curiosity was felt to see Lord Linleigh's daughter than his wife. People heard that she was a regular studleigh, and the memory of the handsome, debonair race was still living among them. In the time of Charles the Second, there had been ladies of the studleigh family whose names were proverbs for beauty, wit and recklessness strange stories were told of deeds of fun and daring that in people less noble would have been called crimes and now on the great world always a little blaze a little tire of itself always a thirst for novelty a new star was to shine a stud lay with all the fatal witching beauty of her race and the inheritance of wit that was always pointed rumor said she was the loveliest girl on whom the english sun had shone for many years she would be wealthy too for lord linleigh was rich expectation was for once fairly aroused then too there was something of romance about her story The marriage of the handsome popular earl had been a private one. The lady Doris, it was said, had been educated in the strictest retirement. People were impatient to see her and pronounce their verdict. She was to be presented by the Duchess of Downsbury, whose name was a warranty for every good quality. The eventful day dawned at last lord linleigh had been somewhat anxious over it true his daughter's fate in life was fixed he would not have had her engagement with earle murray broken on any account yet he desired that she should receive all the homage due to her rank and her beauty no word of her engagement had been made public that was by lady linleigh's advice give her all the time possible all the liberty that her heart can desire and then we shall see if she really prefers earle to all the world she said to her husband though he laughed at the advice he owned it was good on that may-day surely lady doris's dressing-room was one of the prettiest scenes in all london The sunbeams crept through the rose-colored blind, and fell on the shining jewels, the costly dresses, the flowers and laces. For the first time in her life, Lady Doris was arrayed in full court costume, and certainly nothing would have suited her better. The Duke of Downsbury had insisted on presenting her with a magnificent set of diamonds for the occasion and she wore them now for the first time. She stood in all the splendor of her marvelous beauty and rich costume, smiling at herself in the mirror. I do not look much like Doris Brace, the farmer's daughter, now, she said to herself. Then Lady Linley entered the room. I could not dress, Doris, she said, until I had seen you and knew whether you felt nervous or not something like a smile of contempt greeted the beautiful lips nervous lady linleigh not one whit she replied now if i were about being presented to a handsome young monarch who wanted a queen to reign by his side i might feel nervous when i was presented said lady Linley i did feel very nervous i thought of it for days and weeks beforehand you and i dear lady linleigh differ considerably said doris i often think myself it is strange but i am really wanting in that respect i have no organ of reverence i do not believe that i stand in awe of any human being it is strange and i am not sure that such total independence is altogether good for you my dear i should like you to bear more on others less on yourself i am as i was made laughed the girl then she blushed slightly for the earl stood at the door of her dressing-room looking at her with such admiration in his eyes as they had seldom expressed before she could not help feeling embarrassed by it then she went up to him saying now papa imagine yourself the queen let me make you my grand presentation courtesy he never forgot her as she stood there the light flaming in her jewels and falling on the golden hair the face softened into unusual beauty by the slight flush my darling said lord Linley. as he laid his hand on her head my darling i am proud of you the words were few but they expressed a whole volume there will not be a fairer girl at the drawing-room to-day he continued yet you must look out for your laurel stories lady blanche trevor is presented to-day and the Trevors have always been considered the handsome mess family in England. "'I am not afraid, papa,' was the calm reply. "'We should be going now. It is some time since the carriage was announced.' "'Doris,' said the countess, "'stop one minute, dear.' Doris turned wonderingly. She detected a faint tremor in the voice lady linleigh's face too was very pale come here one moment she continued and lady doris went up to her the pale lovely face looked into hers the gentle hands touched her the sweet lips caressed her the countess took one long tress of the golden hair in her hands i could not let you go out into the world my dear she said slowly, without first wishing you all happiness. All her heart was on her lips, and her voice trembled with emotion. Lady Doris looked at her in a perfect bewilderment of surprise. You are very kind to me, Lady Linley, she said, and there was something of haughty surprise in her voice which fell like cold snow on the gentle heart you are very kind she repeated but i have no fear it is such a brilliant world doris but so full of pitfalls oh my dear so full of pitfalls for the beautiful and young i will steer clear of them dear lady linleigh said the impatient voice while the may sun is shining and the carriage is at the door There is hardly time to talk about the dangers of the world. I am quite willing to take them for granted. Lady Linley said to herself that she could not alter the nature, that she was brilliant, polished, cold, beautiful, without warmth of the heart, and that she could not help it. Yet she felt most bitterly disappointed. Her heart had yearned for one kind word for one token of affection from her but it was not to be the earl looked in surprise from his wife to his daughter but he made up his mind never to interfere between them or to appear to notice anything that passed then they entered the carriage and drove to st james those present will not soon forget the beauty of the women or the splendor of the whole scene never since the days when her royal consort stood by her side had the queen looked better or happier than on this day when she walked to the sense that the great voice of a mighty nation was calling her noble sons and fair daughters stood around her the noblest of the realm had hastened to do her homage the sun that shone upon the palace walls and streamed through the windows fell on no more calm or royal face than hers there was some little excitement when the name of the countess of linleigh was announced many they remembered her years ago when she had made her debut and smiled to think that for love of the gallant earl she had remained unmarried all these years with the entrance of lady doris the stud laid into the royal presence there was a sensation such as had not been made at the court for many long years the girl's glorious beauty her imperial grace the proud carriage, the splendour of her jewels the fascination that seemed to clothe her as a garment even the royal face lighted up with admiration as the queen's eyes fell on her. Words more kind than usual came from the royal lady's lips, and her heart beating high with triumph. Her position secure, the lady Doris passed from that gracious presence. Even as she stood bending low before the queen, she said to herself that she should be a favorite at court if looks promised anything the duchess of downsbury was well pleased with her young protegee my dear she said to her when the ordeal was over whatever else you may like you certainly have plenty of nerve lady doris raised her eyes unflinchingly to her grace face different people she said give other names to the quality i possess your grace calls it nerve the studleys call it courage well said the duchess grimly i will call it courage then you have plenty of it lady doris i have no doubt was the smiling reply that as i go through the world i shall need it all The Duchess knew that in a passage at arms even she, well versed as she was, had no chance with Lady Doris. In one way she was pleased at her granddaughter's success, although she disliked so much calm self possession in one so young. But the earl saw no drawback; he admitted none. Everyone was enraptured with Lady Doris every one praised her spoke of her wonderful beauty and complimented him on having so peerless a daughter his heart beat high with pride yet never once did he wish her engagement with Earl murray broken he saw lady estelle alone a few minutes before dinner and then he wondered at the paleness of her face the depression of her spirits estelle he said gently what is the matter it seemed as though the question broke through the flood gates of her sorrow she raised her eyes to his they were streaming with tears i am ungrateful ulric she said i am wicked and discontented i see my darling so beautiful yet i cannot go to her and clasp her in my arms i cannot say Child, how I rejoice in you for you are my own. No, you cannot say that, but you may love her and be as kind to her as you will. The countess shook her head sadly. You do not understand, she said. Doris is not affectionate by nature, and I can see that my love annoys and teases her. I do not repine for you. Love me, Ulric, do you not love her? Yes, assuredly he did. How could he help it? Yet all the same he did wish that Lady Doris would show greater affection for her unknown mother. End of chapter fifty seven, read by Gaby Gowan.